Every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Good news. If you have an internet connection or a TV, you probably know about Mel and Todd's dueling mock draft. Mock 4.0 for each of these guys. Guys, we're getting down to it. It's April. We got Mel here. We got Todd here. We're going to go through this a little bit. A little bit at the top, but I, I, guys, I'm really interested as fans are now really knowledgeable about this class is getting into the bubble guys, these first round picks that could be second round picks and vice versa. Mel, but let's start at the top. This, this one looks eerily similar to 3.0, which means I think you got a pretty good which feeling was what, about like the four top days of this ago? board. <laughs> a week. <laughs> but I close enough, Todd. But in terms of uh, the changes, there are only ten changes from the last one to this one. Which like, at this time of the year, you would expect not to see a ton after it's only been a week. But I think the, the tricky part is some late pro days. At Oliver's was late. We have a couple coming up. But other than that, it's pretty is much locked in. And I think the quarterback issue now is how many will go in the first. Will there be that fourth? I think there will. Um, I had had Cullen Farrell to the Carolina Panthers all along, bumped him down one because of Brian Burns jumping up. Then you got the corner issue, how many of these corners are going to go and where are they going to come off the board. That's very debatable. And then the kind of the wild card guys, a Greedy Williams, the cornerback LSU, a Noah Fant, the tight end Iowa, a Marquise Brown, wide receiver Oklahoma, Byron Murphy, cornerback Washington, Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle Mississippi State, are all, I think, in that wild card category. As, the, as They could be late ones, they could be early twos, some guys that I think have moved up a bit, and Todd, you can get into your guys. I think Terry McLaurin, wide receiver, Ohio State, uh, has jumped up. Eric McCoy, center guard, Texas A&M. Chris Lindstrom, the guard from Boston College, have all made a move up the board. Yeah, I mean, let's peel back the, the curtain a little bit here. Kuiper wakes up every morning, and he has breakfast and then does a mock draft. Yes. I wake up every morning, breakfast, dealing with some kids now, and then evaluate players and do and mess around with my grades because I'm constantly I'm psychotic about the grades kind of like Kuiper is about mock drafts because I'm I can't figure out where to put these quarterbacks and I know Mel's probably done you know he did one yesterday he did one today he'll do another mock draft tomorrow and you'll have you'll have uh, all the memory. answers but until you can figure out where to put these guys every like everything else is so tricky because i i talk to guys in the league right on the road the last couple of weeks going to pro days and just on the phone with friends as you do mel as well the giants are definitely not taking a quarterback at six the giants are definitely taking haskins at six the giants are definitely taking drew lock either at 16 six or moving up from that pick at 17 i mean you just you hear all these different things, and it's, it's all that crap. Time of season, it's all and, crap. And we all yep. right, exactly, exactly. So, like, we know where we rank them, and I think Kyler Murray and Haskins are right in that same range. I think Locke is just a touch behind, but I think he's a lot better than people seem to think. And until you can verify, which we probably won't mm-hmm. ever, 
maybe like two days before, three days before. Um, until you can verify that, it just makes it, it brutal just going through this whole thing. Yeah, just one point. Last year, John Dorsey's a friend of mine, a GM of the Cleveland Browns. That's no secret, okay? I've known John since the early 80s when he was a linebacker at Connecticut. Yeah, he, last year, he could have told me, and I wouldn't have said anything. And I would have put nothing out there about Baker. He didn't. I talked to him the night before the draft, the morning of. Not a thing. Don't even bother asking me because I'm not going to tell you. Okay? I said, John, I wasn't going to ask you. Yeah, I, I don't even bother me. asking. Yeah. Me. So, no. So, they don't. T- he had the number one pick. He wasn't trading it. He could have very easily said to me, who I've known for 30-some years, you know, it's going to be Baker. But don't say anything. Now, I've had GMs <laughs> tell me that before. That I'm going to tell you the day before, but don't put it in any mocks. When we're on the clock, you can talk. I've had GMs do that with me over the years, and I've done it exactly that way. John told me nothing. And so if he has a number one pick and he's not trading it, and he ain't telling me, and I think i got a good friendship with John Dorsey, more, better than some other people out there. That What's they, his they upside? I mean, I've I yeah, played yeah. college football with guys who are making decisions, and there's I don't even bother asking because there's no upside. And they wouldn't lie. They just wouldn't tell you. But so the point is, there are three guys that I legitimately but like, like I, they've never once lied to me. Everyone right. else has told me a lot of stuff, <laughs> but have kind of, you know, steered away from different things. But there are three guys that I legitimately would trust. I would leave my kids at their house. Let's put it that way. But I'm just not going to ask them because I don't want to put them in that position. Yeah. And the point is, Todd, that there's no way teams know what the Giants are thinking. How can, why would the Giants right. pick six, let anybody out of that building know? And then people in the building may think they know and they may not know. Because we have that happen. GM's telling guys certain things and not letting them know everything. A lot of scouts won't even know the final board until the morning and it changed from the night before. So, you know, we just finished with April Fool's Day. So I guess you could say, okay, now what we're saying is actually maybe the truth. But I think when you look at it, Todd, what would be, as you say, the upside? What, what, what would be something that would help the Giants by letting people in the league Forget everybody else. People in the league know what they're doing at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I spent 45 minutes on the phone with the GM on Sunday. And even he's the general manager. He puts the card in. He makes the final decision. We went through the top 100 or so players in great detail at each position, okay? And even he, even he at this point is still like, well, we're, we're still working on him. We don't know the medical on him. The care, like they're still working through all of this. And it, it's a long process. You have free agency. The season ends. The coaches are now getting involved. So, I mean, you know, it sounds like we're making a lot of excuses for, for not knowing. Nobody knows right now. Maybe the Cardinals know. San Francisco knows that, hey, if Kyler goes number one, we're going to take Nick Bosa at two or we're going to take Quinn and Williams at two whoever it is other than that like there are just so many different variables and this in san francisco would probably tell you if you talk to john lynch hey we love nick bosa we love quinn and williams because why wouldn't they if oakland wants to move up or the giants want to come move up or uh you know denver from 10 miami from 13 washington from 15 yeah we'd make a deal if they if they offer us a lot we'd make a deal to move back guys so amidst all the lies that you're being told every day, let's circle this 20 to 40 range of players that it could go either way, that you get to be called a first rounder for the rest of your life or you're just a second rounder. Mel, I'll put you, I'll put you on the block here first by, by asking you about a pair of offensive linemen to go 21 and 22 in your current mock. 
Chris Lidstrom, guard from Boston College. Eric McCoy, center guard from Texas A&M. You have these guys going to Seattle and Baltimore back-to-back. Are these the type of guys Hyper, that you're... you're catching up, man. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Uh, he's yeah, taking yeah. Todd's guys. But anyway, are these guys that you're, yeah, you're pretty yeah, certain like in round it. one? Yeah, keep jabbing. Keep jabbing. I'm coming back at you. But uh, <laughs> go ahead. Now, Chris Lindstrom. Keep it up, make sure. Got to know when to hold him, when to fold him, pal. Uh, let's see. As far as McCoy, the versatility to be a center guard, obviously with the athleticism he shows, when you need interior linemen, as Baltimore does, or any team does, he would be attractive. Lindstrom, who had played a little right tackle, but mostly guard, had a great career, veteran, senior bowl week, combine, has done it all right. And say, who's nailed the draft process? He has. Uh, he's a plug and play, potential pro bowl caliber guard. Uh, that's what I think Seattle or even Baltimore could use. I think Baltimore wants a center guard guy. Even Lindstrom would be attractive to them. Let's face it. Uh, you know, Marshall Yonda's not getting any younger. Um, you think about Alex Lewis, injury issues. Hurst, struggle in their playoff game. Skura, just okay, average at center. So I think that's why a guy like McCoy or even Lindstrom would make sense there. And I gave them, obviously, the back-to-back at Seattle at 21 and Baltimore at 22. All right, Todd. Terry McLaurin, has you've you've won over Mel. Mel's got him in the first round again. Is this this where this guy's going to end up? Terry McLaurin again. For fans who don't know, Ohio State kid, he can you, fly. Carson. I really do. But he wasn't, he <laughs> wasn't a hugely productive player, but they also just had, they would throw to five or six uh, wide receivers plus the back. back I beat him to the punch. All right. So, so, so people who haven't listened to this a lot and maybe are, are new and, and welcome, love having you listen to the first draft podcast or haven't been a part of the ESPN draft production for the last oh, sure. 50 years or whatever it is, Kite. Mm-hmm. So here's what Mel does, okay? Mm-hmm. He really he, he he comes around a guy and he's like, oh, I I actually like him now. And then he's going to take him. He's going to oversell him, right? He's just going to throw his stock up there and and make it too rich. And then everyone's going to kind of sell it off because it got too rich. And then he'll just gradually put it down. But then on draft day, this is the move. <laughs> hey, I hey McShay, you you like McLaurin? You like McLaurin at the Senior Bowl? You talked about him on the Senior Bowl? Well, I had him in the first round back in April. April 1st, April 2nd, I had him in the first round. That's what the conversation will be. So that's, that's the move, and I understand it. But I think it is – I mean, I love McLaurin. I think he's the best special teams player in this entire draft. I think we all know that he has speed and he's explosive. He stood out as one of the most explosive skill players at the Senior Bowl. He's not a first rounder, Kuiper. I mean, it's almost, it's, you're almost doing him a disservice to put him in the first round because now all of a sudden this guy who's a fourth or fifth rounder for the whole process, he's, oh, what a good value he's going to be. Third round, now, nah, like that's where you draft a player who's going to be a great special teams player and a guy who's going to be a number three, number four receiver for you. Unless you think he's going to be a number one receiver for you or a number two receiver for you, I, I, I don't understand how you put him in the first round. Why wouldn't you think he could be? Uh, you say he was you loved him. And see, this yeah, is the problem. Like now, I'm yeah. talking about yeah. McLaurin negatively yeah. when I'm I was the guy who was praising him for months. No, I thought I called a contradiction because we, didn't we hear love? Best player, Scobie's going to play at the Senior Bowl things. He raved about him all year. Now you got him in the third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, you know, that to me seems to be a You bit take of a him on day two where, hey, where he belongs. Hey, I talked to a team that thought third round. I'm with you, Todd. I had heard third round, but I think the receiving group is so poor in terms of the first round or so questionable. I wouldn't say poor. Questionable is the operative word there and the correct word because there's not a lot of first round receivers. Would you agree with that? 
Agree. Yes. Okay. Let's two, get past that. Two that you right. feel good about, right. maybe. Right. We got a cluster of second and third rounders that look like they have a chance to be really good. Kind of like back when, uh, four or five years ago or whatever year. Remember the year when they had, probably longer than that, Jordan Matthews and Allen Robinson. Yep. Yep. You yep. know, that group of second round receivers. So I think that's the kind of second, third round group we're going to have this year. I just think McLaren's speed, the fact that he produced, the fact that he's versatile, the fact that he's kind of ready now. He's awesome, not one of these dude. guys coming out with limited experience. Some of these young kids come out. and they, Like even Metcalf with 67 career receptions and two years of injury over the last three years. Yet we still have him very high. I don't. I think that's the kind of guy I'll take a chance with. Now, if you say, well, he's a second rounder and you like him in the late. The old the situation, of, well, if we liked him in the late second, why not take him in the late first? Because we're not going to get him in the late second. So, again, that's what I was thinking for the Colts in particular. Now, they have an early two, but they have another need area. And to get this team to a Super Bowl level. It's not just about one position. It's two or three positions I'd like to fill. And Bowers big about the draft. He hasn't done a whole heck of a lot so far in free agency. Now the moves he did make, getting Funchess and Houston, you get a receiver and you get a pass rusher. Fine. But I think the draft is going to be pivotal to whether the Colts are just a playoff team or they're what they want to be, which is a legitimate Super Bowl team. And I think getting another weapon for Andrew Luck is, is a key to whether they are going to be that kind of team or not. Todd, when Mel says, do you agree? And you have to say, yes, I agree. He pretty much is like, uh, the attorney that says, were you in New York on the night of the murder? And you're like, yeah, yeah. obviously. And Did next you thing you know, five night. minutes later, Did he's you got wake the knife up this in your morning. McShay doesn't realize I listen to everything he says all year. And then on draft day, first, second, third, I always kind of throw it back at him. He doesn't remember some of the things. I remember what he said better than he does. He scouts, to, he scouts yeah, McShay. Yeah, yeah. And while we're talking, I'll, I'll save this. I'll save it. I've got something go. I'm going to save for draft go. day. But that's like, I'm going to give it away April, whatever. No, no, go ahead. No, no, no. I said I'm saving it. I'm saving it. You're not getting it out of me now. All right. It's like, uh, it's like the usual suspects. I can put you in Queens on the night of the murder. I live in Queens. All right, uh, Todd, <laughs> Mel has got Marquise Brown in round two. Could you see him lasting that long? And again, it's only 33rd overall. It's also but... the first pick in the second round there, Chris. Hey, do you... Mel, do wow. you agree that you have him in round two? Hi, don't be so defensive <laughs> today, man. Come on. Yeah, I have him at 33, not uh, 64. How's hey, that? I'm d- I, the, the whole point of this joke. podcast was if first round lives forever, second round lives yeah. forever. He's in round two. That's all I'm saying. All right. Go so ahead, McLaurin's Todd. going first round and Marquise is going second Hollywood round. Hollywood goes right? two. Last what? time I checked, Marquise okay. had an injury, didn't he? But no, he does. He does. He's uh, he, he apparently he's got the, the boot off and I keep getting texts from his people that he's working out and getting back is, you know, as you would expect to see. But listen, if when he's a hundred percent and he will be, it's not like he had any kind of injury that is long-term or debilitating. He's a track guy. He's always going, he's very likely to be going through some kind of leg injuries and, and cramping and different stuff that all the track guys do. Cause the tight, you know, twitch muscles, however you want to, break it down and I, I we had five games with them this year and every every time i'm on the sideline they're working on his calves working on his hamstrings that's it's just who he is but i can also say this he's easily the most explosive player and the biggest playmaker in this draft in terms of like you can look at the height weight speed for dk metcalf coming out of Ole miss and yes vertically he's special but Marquise is, he's unique. He's one of the fastest players I've ever evaluated. In 20 years of doing this, I don't, I, there's just, you know, it's a very short list. 
Deshaun Jackson's one of them. I think that's a good comparison. We've talked about that. But at the end of the day, this guy is special. And I know he's injured, and you may not get 100% of him right away, but I think you probably will. And if you do, you're getting one of the, in my opinion, 10 best players in this draft. I'll give you another one that Mel has in round two. Juan Thornhill. Now, I get that he's in round two, but I keep hearing both of you guys say how much you love him. Is there any possibility that this bubble guy gets to the top side of the bubble and gets into round one? I I like him. I, I love his versatility. I think in today's game, the ability to play him at corner, to play him at safety, nickel, move him around. I, I think it just it adds value, but it also adds teams that will be interested in him. You know what I mean? Like there are some corners that I look at like, oh, you know, Seattle's not going to be interested. Jacksonville's not going to be interested. This team, they just, they, they want something different. Um, Byron Murphy, a perfect example. He's, I think the, the most complete NFL ready cornerback coming out of Washington in this year's draft. He's not the fastest. He's not the biggest. He's not the longest. But if you play a lot of different zone schemes and like to be versatile with what you do and ask your defensive backs to, play smart, if you will, and and understand leverage and where to be, he's the guy. So with Juan, it, it, to me, it's I think Thornhill is a really good player. I think the versatility adds value. I don't think it's first round, but I think he's gone from a player that everyone's kind of looking at in mid-round and now is saying, all right, where in the second round do we have to be if we're going to get this guy that we really like for our system fit? Mel, one more question for you out of this. Mm-hmm. out of this dueling mock that you guys have out. You have New England with a quarterback in round two. Are you, again, we never, we put in the caveat that you're never really surprised by anything the Patriots do, but is it fair to say you'd be surprised in, with when you include the compics that they haven't taken a guy by like the end of round three? Yeah, and I think because of the fact they have extra picks and they have a couple twos, they have three threes, uh, you know, so they have opportunities there, whether it be Jarrett Stidham, who I have them taking, uh, you know, you see a little, you look at Garoppolo, Stidham, I was thinking about Tyree Jackson, you know, you think about Ryan Finley, smart kid, pocket guy, Brady, heir apparent, so I was thinking, well, I'm gonna go Finley, I'm gonna go Stidham, I'm gonna go Tyree Jackson, and that, we're talking about the final pick. In round two, that's pick number 64. So I think they could. Uh, and I think that's where I thought the quarterback, considering the fact that this is a team with the extra draft choices, could go that route possibly. So we'll see how it unfolds, but this may be the year to get the heir apparent to Tom Brady. Kai, when, when you were going through your first round, mm-hmm. where, so I'm assuming, I haven't looked at your mock draft. Kyler, right. you had it one, right? We both have Kyler Correct. at one. Mm-hmm. Where were the spots? And who were the specific quarterbacks you were thinking? And I'll tell you mine too. But okay. who, where were, were you? Where every time did you pause and say, "Hmm, mm. it, could this be the place?" Well, I don't feel good about the Giants because you hear that stuff. But as we say, I'm going to put them there because if you don't put them there, you have to project the trade, and we don't know where the trade's coming from. If there will be the Jets, one out, will it be Washington, whoever? So you can't really get involved with that. So you put Haskins at the Giants. I got down to Denver, and you always think, well, Elway, take Locke. What's going to happen there? Cincinnati, I gave Drew Locke to Cincinnati. You hear Miami may not go quarterback, so what do you do there? I think Washington will. I gave Daniel Jones to the Redskins. You hear they may move up to get Haskins. So those were the teams, I think, 10, 11, 13, 15, 
And then 17, the Giants, if they didn't take Haskins, would be another spot. Then you get into the late first. I don't think the Chargers, I don't think the Patriots there necessarily would unless a certain quarterback dropped through, and that may not happen now. And it may not have been the case even if that quarterback were there. So I think four go in the first, Todd. I, I think four quarterbacks. The Obviously, you think about Murray, Haskins, Locke, and I think Daniel Jones does go. And I have Jones going right now to 15 uh, with the 15th pick to the Washington Redskins. You love your boy Jones. Todd, I, I, I heard trying to get uh, inside the mind. Rosillo, let me know you. Uh, yes, yeah, you, you you made your comments on on that. On the That's Jones, we'll, on the Jones, back, yeah. yeah. So John, oh, next yeah, John Elway, okay. you always tell me, right? So, <laughs> so all right. So if Kyler goes one, there's also there's another quarterback in this class then, Josh Rosen, and now you have to figure out where he goes. I keep hearing Washington, so you know. I just I didn't want to put anyone with Washington at 15 because I think that they they're the mm-hmm. most likely of the teams. I've heard there's mm-hmm. one or two other teams that could be interested, but Washington seems to be the most interested in in Josh Rosen. So, um Oakland at 4, I keep hearing stuff about Locke. Giants at 6 or 17, I keep hearing stuff about Locke. Broncos at 10, Locke. Bengals maybe Locke. Dolphins no quarterback. Redskins, Rosen, 17, we're back with the Giants, lock. Mm-hmm. Where's, where's Haskins go? I mean, I know you put him in the, the Giants at six, but when you talk to team, and listen, the Jaguars weren't going to take Bortles, and you know, uh, Cleveland was going to take Sam Darnold, and every year teams surprise us. But when all the information's coming out, I just, he's the one that's kind of tough to, to find a spot for, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't put him to the Giants, then what do you do? Because we don't know what these teams are even thinking in terms of Denver, Cincinnati, you know, Miami are saying no, Washington, the whole Rosen thing, but we don't know that. We had heard, well, they're going to get a second round pick for Rosen. Does that mean it could be the Redskins pick in round two? Not that which is at pick number 46, or is it the Redskins no, pick? I was told only number 15, 15. If, if, if that's yeah. the deal. Yeah. yeah. And, I could, and it makes perfect sense. Would you rather have Josh Rosen or Daniel Jones? I'd rather have Josh Rosen, and I like Daniel Jones, but Rosen had a higher yeah. grade. And yeah, that's what that's, that's why I went no, second round for Rosen. It made no sense. I would give up the fifteenth pick and a second for Josh Rosen if I'm the Washington Redskins. Now you keep hearing the Redskins may move up to get Haskins. I don't. Yeah, you know, that's the other thing out there. So again, uh, you know, you're hearing things. How much of what we're hearing is true? But I do think, and I hope you would agree with this for your own good. Wow. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about you, Todd, as Write I always down. do. That Daniel Jones proud. Is should... like he's, he's talking down to me a no. little bit? <laughs> no, no, no. I never do that. Uh, no, no. You're the one that's condescending, not me. But in terms of <laughs> of, uh, of of Dan, you do it every day, and you know you do. Daniel Jones no, should be in the. First round mock. You agree or disagree? He will not be in the first round of my mock. I, and you're maybe out, man, you're going down. You go. You do this every year. Kuiper, Kuiper. Like to I spite could, me right, again. It's not to spite you. Yes, it's it not is. to spite you at all. It it's just it's it's because I can't based off of my analysis. You do it. Go, what's your, and I know. I know. This is a grade A draft. We're going to do grade A's coming up. Okay, if somebody tells me, hey, we are legitimately thinking about him in the first round, fine. I think he's a media creation. I like him. I've met with him. That's I know him now. well enough. I think yeah, he's that, intelligent. That's, a, that's another I think shot at me right there. Hold yeah, on one that's, second. That's aimed right at Mel's chest. See, I'm glad you're let saying me, that, Chris. I'll tell you. Let me finish. I just think, you know, he's, he's a, he's a, 
He's exactly what you draft on day two. He's a backup quarterback that you hope you can develop into a, a starter. He's got a long delivery. Yes, he can run fast, but he doesn't create a lot of space. I don't inside, know where you get this long delivery the from. Where do you get this okay, long fine. delivery stuff? Okay, fine. He has even if you think he has a quick delivery. Yes, everything's short. It's underneath. He, he's inconsistent with his accuracy. And I just think everyone is enamored with him because the, the Mannings have been around him and Cutcliffe has done a great job with him. And I respect, I honestly do. I'm, it's not one of those things where I'm like, I'm not gonna, I, I have a no, ton of respect right. for him. And I have no issue and with you saying. He looks like them on tape, but he's not, right. he's not right. a Manning. And I have no issue with you saying you don't like him. I respect that. You don't like him. That's fine. Okay. Todd McShay does not like Daniel Jones as a first round pick. That's fine. Him. Yes. Okay. But. Do but I also think? haven't talked to anyone in the uh, league that's saying that they right, are considering all right, him. All right, as just a first to make round. just to clarify to our listeners. Okay. So you don't think that I know you don't feel he's a first round pick. You think he's a backup, maybe third round guy. If you're backup, I wouldn't yeah, take second, him in the third, second, third I, round. Yeah, second if I think round, he's fine. a backup. Well, if I think he's a career backup, I'm not taking him in the first five rounds. I don't, I don't want a career backup, and I'm drafting. I'm not wasting my time. So I, if I'm you know, thinking that, I wouldn't waste a pick on on day. I look Jones. at quarterbacks I on day backup. two as backups with right. upside that potentially right, right, right. I could develop okay. into starter. But you're also feeling that he will not be a first round draft choice come late April. Correct. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That, hey, that's that's just to clarify. It's not just what you think of Daniel Jones. You I mean, also I've heard do it not from. I've heard it one. from you. I've heard it from everyone on other networks and all that other. But when I talk to general managers and people in the league, they don't seem to. Okay. I mean, they don't. They don't think it. But you know, listen. It, it only takes one. I understand. And if he goes in the first round, that's fine. The point of this whole thing is not where you go. It's what you're going to be. And I just don't see that value. Right, but but the point of this is a mock. So we're trying the to figure point, out what, okay, what, where, draft, where we yes, think the guy will go. This has nothing to do with what it. you or I think of the player. And am I right stubborn? Now. Yeah, no, no question. Yeah. Will I put him in the first round only if a general manager specifically tells me the night before the draft that he's taking him in the first round? <laughs> yeah, so, who's telling so you that? Recap oh yeah, I'm going to tell you that. Yeah, okay. To recap uh, that, Todd again. <laughs> Todd Mel asks a five minute question where Todd answers uh, correct. So basically. <laughs> Mel can put Todd in Boston on the night of the heist. He does it again. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into Kuiper's favorite division, starting off with the Baltimore Ravens. And don't forget to check out the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny. It's NFL Draft Month, and what a difference a year makes. Last year, Mina wasn't a huge fan of Josh Allen, but now she loves him. On this week's episode, Mina talks quarterbacks and pass rushers like the aforementioned Josh Allen, with Spencer Hall of SB Nation, and every day should be Saturday. The Baltimore Ravens. Todd, I got to go to you first here because uh, uh, your co-host went through the entire offensive line in the previous segment. So I guess my question out of the gate is, you got Lamar Jackson and Robert Griffin as your quarterbacks. Are you drafting a quarterback somewhere? You guys are putting me on the spot today. I love it. Um, <laughs> me specifically, yes. The Ravens, no. I think that they they're going to go different positions. I think that they they're buying in organizationally, and and that's that's it. I mean, maybe later they will. Most teams, yeah, I'm not saying at some point in the draft. But I I don't think that I think that they think they they have the answer. Let's put it that way. And you know, God bless them. I hope that they do. For their sake, but um, but 
I personally would draft a quarterback early this year if I was the Ravens as a contingency plan, or I would, I would bring in another quarterback in, in free agency at, you know, at this point, if anyone becomes available. I, I, I just, I'm worried about Lamar long term now that teams have had a year to study his tape and figure out what they, they what they want to do. But there, I mean, there are other positions. You look, you look at their defensive front. They've got a, you know, they could add an, another edge rusher. They can, it feels like every year they could use another wide receiver. Um, they need difference makers around the quarterback position. And, and I think that, I think for the first time in a while that they are not great up front compared to what that they, what they've been in years past. You know, like I know Matt Judon is, is a really good player, but I think that they, and Tim Williams, they brought in. The third round, but I think that they could add a little bit more depth there, and even defensive tackle, they could add some depth as well. Hey Mel, given what they lost in free agency, are you buying the idea that this defense necessarily has to regress if they do what Todd says and get some guys on the defensive side of the ball? Where there's obviously a lot of players. The reason I say that is, you know, this is arguably, depending on the metric you want to use, maybe the best defense in the NFL last year during the regular season. Yeah. I think kind of like we say about Pete Carroll in Seattle, you got to give a lot of credit to Wink Martindale and think that if you give him just enough guys, he's going to be able to put this thing together. Do you think that that is the sense with this team around Baltimore? I think it's a sense, and I think there is a lot of talent. Bringing in Earl Thomas uh, to, with Tony Jefferson to help out Deshaun Elliott, who they mm-hmm. liked. They drafted last year. He had the injury. So he'll kind of come along you know, with the mentor being Earl Thomas for Deshaun Elliott, former Texas Longhorn. You have depth at corner now with Humphrey and Young as the nickel and Averett, and then the veterans uh, as well there. So I think you look at, at the defense. Yeah, I think what Todd said about Judon, I think Tyus Bowser is a former second-round pick. Mm-hmm. That you hold out hope that the light will go on, and he will yep. become a really good player, which he has not yet been. So he was a second-round draft choice. They hope that they get some more out of him. But I think inside linebacker, neat area. Wide receiver, that they feel like, hey, we need a receiver, but we have Hurst coming back healthy. A first-round pick, hurt last year with the foot. Mark Andrews was a steal. Okay, he's another tight end. You, you got the blocker Nick Boyle, who they brought in. So now you're fortified that position to the point that's probably better than anybody else. That the receiver position is going to the receiver position is more than just wide receiver. It's wide receiver slash tight end. So the needed wide receiver may not be as huge for them as it would be for another team who's not as fortified as tight end as they are. So I think to to say wide receiver big need, but the interior. I said it earlier. I won't repeat it. The interior of the offensive line critical to this team really coming together because we all say it begins and ends up front on the offensive line now and right now specifically center guard are areas they'd probably like to get better particularly center and then obviously the heir apparent to Yonda but also the fact that a couple other guys haven't exactly uh, done a great job as well so I think the line shoring up that offensive line and we hope that Orlando Brown continues to develop at right tackle that's something they'll be watching to see if that happens so certain things really have to come together yeah certain things have to come together for the Ravens offensively and defensively to be a playoff caliber team the Pittsburgh Steelers Antonio Brown is gone but I will note Antonio Brown turns 31 this offseason. Todd, I think he could do a heck of a lot worse than losing a player of that caliber, and I'm not taking anything away from Antonio Brown. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. But when you have, when these are your young wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, 
You got a backup type like a Dante Moncrief who could get some slot work. Eli Rogers can work in. I mean, it's not exactly it's not exactly a mess that's left behind. And I mean, that kind of seems like it's always the case with the Pittsburgh wide receiver group. As long as Big Ben is still out there throwing it around, it seems like they've been able to find answers and notably draft them beyond even round three. I know that a lot of people are talking about that as an area that they might look at in the draft. I guess I'm positing maybe they won't. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. You know, James Washington, you got Juju, Moncrief. I I get it. But are those guys – are Juju and and Washington as good as people seem to think that they are without Antonio, you know? And – are they going to – who's the guy? And I, I love Juju. I, I think he's a a fine one, a great two. But if if you're making a run at this thing and you got Ben, who's, who's not – you know, I wouldn't say running out of time, but he's certainly not going to be around forever, um, probably two, three years at the most. So I don't know. I, I think that they could use another playmaker. I just don't know that that guy is in this draft. So I – mean, Marquise Brown, maybe, maybe he would be a a possibility when you're that picking it. Fun. I think twenty overall. Um, I know that he's a second rounder for Kuiper, but it would be a good opportunity to to bring in a, a potential difference maker, someone like that. If not, to me, I, I look at cornerback, and I think that's another need. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin is understands the cornerback position. Coach did. He has a history with it. It seems like they, you know, they try to bring in guys that aren't necessarily top talents, and he's gonna, he and his staff are gonna coach him up. Joe Hayden's not getting any younger. Steve Nelson, uh, they brought in, and he's, I mean, he is just a guy. Let's be honest. So, I, I think cornerback would be another spot that they could look at early on with with guys like like Murphy that we talked about earlier on, and um, you know, this year I think there are three or four corners that you could look at. DeAndre Baker from Georgia. Um, Greedy Williams from from LSU. Those would be the top three, and I think in that range is kind of when the cornerbacks start to come off the board. So if it's not wide receiver, it would be corner or linebacker, especially. And I, I don't think it'll happen. But if a, a Devin Bush, the second best off the ball linebacker in this year's class coming out of Michigan, was available, I, I just I couldn't turn that pick in fast enough. I couldn't either. That's why I gave him Devin Bush, Todd. I think yeah, I got him off of Cincinnati with the quarterback and dropped him down to Pittsburgh and gave him a cornerback. In round two, and Notre Dame's Julian Love. Uh, but I think you're right about the receiver position. Could they add somebody? Yeah, in terms of Marquise Brown, just to, to put a little exclamation point at the end of this whole sentence. If, if, <laughs> if the word is by the time we get to late April that everything injury-wise and he's ready to go, he will be in Mach 5.0. But you've got to wait and see, and he is the first pick in the second round. And he could be a pick at Indy. I think Indy would be a nice spot for him. But, uh, again, do you want another receiver like T.Y. Hilton, smaller side? Uh, that's something to debate there. But I do think Marquise Brown could be in that late first round discussion but for Pittsburgh I think defense if they can get the linebacker in the corner I think they'd feel pretty good about it the Cleveland Browns if you haven't heard the Cleveland Browns uh first round projection seems to have changed a little bit yeah that's because they have Odell Beckham uh, I think they're pretty happy with that so they have Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham suddenly turning a guy like an interesting player like Antonio Callaway into useful depth Mel, have you, can you, I can't recall the conversation around a team changing so much. I'm not even talking about an 18 months. I'm talking about basically since week three when Baker Mayfield showed up at halftime and seemed to provide 
the future for this franchise at quarterback. Since then, it's just been a snowball. Where else can it go in this draft? But again, that's starting in round two. Well, it is now, and they don't pick until 49. I think a safety would be something to take advantage of a position that could have more players drafted at that spot in the first two rounds in cornerbacks. We said it, and I really believe that that's going to happen. And some of these guys have played a little corner as well. Coverage ability of a safety now is paramount. Nasir Adderley, Delaware, uh, with the Cleveland Browns, I think would be somebody to look at. We already talked about Juan Thornhill, Virginia, if he were there. I had him going one pick prior to Cleveland at 48 to Miami. Uh, you know, there's some other safeties out there. Deontay Thompson, Alabama as well. Uh, so I think then there's, you know, others that we want to get into. The Dar- Arnell Savage at Maryland, you know, Hooker at Iowa, you know, Harris at Boston College. So that's a very strong position. I think Cleveland Todd will take advantage of the strength at safety, take the best guy at that spot available in round two. Yeah, I mean, they're in, they're like uncomfortable how good of a spot that they're in. <laughs> I mean, the people making the decision, decisions are not, but the fans just like don't even understand what to do because they, they've made a like 15 years off of just dying for the first round of the draft and early picks and what are we going to do and who's our quarterback and now they're kind of in good shape it's crazy but corner i corner and safety i agree i think you know you got denzel warden great pick last year we all thought that they were going to go with the edge rusher they went with the corner and he winds up having a, a great first year uh tj carey was a good player i think very overlooked from a year ago um but they could use a number three or, or upgrade care over carry and, and move him in to the nickel spot. And then safety, as you mentioned, offensive tackle, linebacker. Those are going to be the spots that you probably see them go. But they're, they're finally, I mean, it's been forever, but they're finally in a position where they could actually just take a good football player at pretty, you know, most positions and be okay with it because they're not like desperate for a quarterback or two or three other really severe position needs. The Cincinnati Bengals. Mel, I don't know. I'll start with you, but this mm-hmm. this is the team where you don't know whether to set the win total at five or eight. I mean, I I really mean that a sense that yeah, six and on, a half on the upside. On the upside, you have all these guys that seem like maybe there's another gear to be found in there, and then on the downside, you say, "All right, as Andy Dalton peaked." Has Geno Atkins at 31 peaked? Has A.J. Green peaked? Has even a guy like Cordy Glenn peaked? I mean, you really don't know with this team. So, again, and we also don't know how to evaluate him. They've had such a similar coaching situation for years and years and years, not just from the from Marvin Lewis's perspective, but also, you know, consistent right. runs of assistance. Mm-hmm. And you don't know if they got Sean McVay or if they're chasing Sean McVay. I, I just don't know where to go with this team where are you going starting at number 11 overall? Yeah, projections, uh, I think in August, will probably have them in the cellar in this division. Right. Uh, I think that's just the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Baltimore is not going to be in the cellar. The Pittsburgh Steelers aren't. And you know the Cleveland Browns aren't. They're the favorite to win the North. So the AFC North. So it's going to be the Bengals. So they're going to have to prove the doubters and skeptics wrong with a new head coach, unproven, uh, you know, Personnel, they didn't do anything really of, of consequence in free agency. The draft comes around. They got more sixth round picks, Todd. I think anybody in the history of the NFL draft has ever had, don't they? Uh, I've never seen a team with as many sixth round picks as the Bengals have, but, uh, the day three is going to be fun. If you're a Bengal fan, day three is going to be great. And they have a first, second, and third round pick as well. So we'll see. They're going to need some help in those, with those picks, you know, they're going to need some sixth rounders to help this football team. But I think in the first round, Drew Locke is going to be the quarterback, and we see it time and again. New coach, 
Goes out and get his guy. And you can have Dalton for a year. You know, you, he's 32. We'll see. He the personnel, phenomenal plateau team even then with Andy Dalton. So, again, Drew Locke, if he's there, in play. Devin Bush, if he's off the board, I think would be in play. Linebacker out of Michigan. Second round, if you don't get a guy like uh, like Devin Bush in the first, maybe Mac Wilson from Alabama in round two. Linebacker's an area uh, that they have to address early in this draft. And obviously, if it's the quarterback in the first, I think it would be the linebacker. Maybe Mac Wilson, Alabama in the second. You excited yeah, I mean, about they, round they, three, Todd? Or, excuse me, day three with the Bengals? <laughs> Day, day three, yep. Yeah. Um, they re-signed Preston Brown, but got you know let Vontez Burfitt go, and so they they need linebacker help. They need, I think they need some leadership on that side of the ball. To be honest, I, I just think they need some guys to, that you bring in that are are young leaders that are going to kind of change the whole dynamic of that of that defense and and partially like just the whole locker room. And then you got to figure out quarterback. I mean, Zach Taylor, what's he going to do? And it's his first year. Obviously, he's – I mean, I, I sat next to him on the plane, flying flying back from one of these pro days, and he's studying every tape and looking at everybody. But he's he's got to figure out Andy Dalton, and is this going to be my guy that I want to ride with, you know? And if I were studying it and I got the head coaching job – and it wasn't under – if I didn't talk to ownership and they said, it, okay, you can get the head coaching job, but you you got to keep the quarterback, I would bring in somebody else. I'm not saying I would replace Andy today. I'm saying I would bring in and probably day two, like a Jarrett Stidham. If you don't go in the first round, I, I would actually probably go in the first round if, if one of the guys is available. But I also wouldn't give away a lot of picks because I know we need a lot of different positions. So we can live with Andy Dalton for a year or two. But I think it's time to start really focusing on if it's not the first round, the second or third round, bringing a guy this year. And if it's not working after year one with the new coach, then we got to just we got to scrap it and start over at the quarterback position. If I'm Zach Taylor as the new head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. There it is. Your call for mail. We got about seven or eight minutes to pound away at it. All right, Mel, you can mm-hmm. get us started here. Mm-hmm. Um Here's an interesting one. The Blizz asks, why isn't Miles Boykin getting higher grades? What's his weakness? Weakness is for a guy that has the physical and athletic gifts of Miles Boykin, he didn't always maximize it. You want a little more physicality out of your receiver. And I think if it comes together as a second-round pick, some think late first, I don't. I think he's a second-round possibility. I have him actually going in round two to the Carolina Panthers. Drafted D.J. Moore last year. Got some potential. So see, definitely promise out of him, out of Boykin to help out Cam. But I think, uh, you know, he, he, right now he's not the prospect his computer numbers would lead you to believe now will he be in two three years if he's coached up he possibly could be all right todd eric vanek eagles fan asks, who will be the better pro debo samuel or andy isabella it's been it's been like two weeks since we mentioned andy isabella it was time <laughs> the, the draft darling um yes. debo should be it, but it's up to debo uh, you know it's up to all these guys but debo's more talented He's big, he's physical, he's a great slot receiver. He can be a return specialist. He might be the best receiver in this class, uh, Marquise, when healthy, outside of Marquise Brown, in terms of when he gets the ball, what he can do after the catch. It's 
it's not just like the quickness and the acceleration. It's the vision and the feel for it. He really, he's really good in space. And we saw it at the senior bowl too. I mean, he was the, I thought he stood out as the guy there that week, but is he going to stay in great shape? Is he going to be able to stay healthy? You could say that about anybody, but he's, he's had some issues in the past. So I think that's, that's what's preventing teams right now from putting him in the first round. But I think Debo is clearly the better talent. Yeah, real quick, I have Debo going to Tennessee midway through the second round and, and pick 51. I would have Andy, who I like, and I like Andy Isabella a lot. I think Andy Isabella is a third or fourth rounder. Mm-hmm. Mel, who are the biggest, or who are current NFL comps you see for the two Iowa tight ends? Maybe pretty similar. Hawkinson and Fant. Oh, God, Todd's the comp person. I hate comps. No, um, I, I, I'm not a comp person at all. Uh, you know, I, I throw some out there, but I hate having to be forcing it. Hawkinson, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, where you go with him. He's going to be a top 10 pick. He can catch. He can block. He plays with enthusiasm. I'm not getting into Gronkowski uh, comparisons, the Gronk comparisons there. That's overhyping it. Uh, in terms of Noah Fant, you just want to see, you know, take a tight end in the NFL who didn't, live up to the potential. That's the concern with Noah Fant, that he doesn't always perform to the level of the talent. And was that the system there, the quarterback looking to Hawkinson? Why did TJ Hawkinson steal the spotlight away from Noah Fant? Why, when I looked after a game and I'm watching a game, isn't Noah Fant being targeted seven, eight, nine, ten times? Why didn't that happen? And all of a sudden, it's going to happen in the NFL. I said to Todd, we're watching the combine. He looks the part, but is is the, the is the fire, the passion, the love for the game? That's what he's gonna have to prove in the NFL. That I don't play the game because I can play it. I play the game because I love to play the game, and I'm gonna go out there and 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 maximize all those gifts that God gave him. So I think you look at Noah Fant. Uh, I think he's a instead of being a top ten pick like Hawkinson, he's probably, in my opinion, Todd. I put him late one to Green Bay. So I don't know where you're gonna have him, but I have Hawkinson going ten to Denver. I have Fant going thirty to Green Bay. Yeah, I think. I, I, there's some Jordan Reed to Fant, you know. He, Reed was up and down, and but undersized, great athlete, that kind of that type of player. I, I think you could you could make some comparison there. I mean, other I've heard I've heard all sorts of things. Like yeah, Jared Howard, Cook, I, I Jared Cook. I, Jared Cook was the next yeah. guy I was going to say too. Exactly. I, I think you know athletically, he's in a very high category in terms of guys in the last ten years. That have come out and put those kind of numbers up. And let's not forget, he two years ago, this guy was a big time producer. He really was. He was the guy. Something happened. And sometimes guys get NFL draft itis. Sometimes guys get, you know, worried about contract year and what's on the table and don't don't show up and give the same effort on the field and are worried about getting injured for whatever reason. Not condoning it, I don't like it, but I, we've seen it before. And then guys get in the league, and all of a sudden they're boom back back to being the player player that they were before that last year in college. So we'll see with Fan. I think he has special ability. Um, I just I hope he's able to maximize it because he's he's a really good football player. And real quick, I was right. just thinking about Todd while you were talking. A, a comp for Hawkinson for me, maybe Heath Miller, former Virginia Cavalier, yeah. Pittsburgh Steel, yeah. good blocker, caught the ball, did some good things. I had a really solid career in the NFL, excellent career, outstanding career in the NFL. Uh, it was a key entity for the Pittsburgh. So I'll, I'll I'll comp Hawkinson to Heath Miller. How's that? If either of them could live up to. George Kittle's status right now, they'd be pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd, 
I guess maybe this is a question around Josh Jacobs off the top, but who is your favorite three down, truly a three down back? I feel like a guy you don't have to take off the field in this year's draft. I mean, yeah, Jacobs is probably the most, I mean, he's the most complete to me, even though he, he ran the four, six, three or whatever your favorite scout had at the, uh, the Alabama pro day. But I, I think there are other good backs. I think David Montgomery is underrated coming out of Iowa State. I don't, you know, he's never going to be a great pass catcher, a guy that you're going to move in the slot, but he can pass protect. Justin, Justice Hill, the more tape I watch, I like him. He's, he's undersized, but he's, you know, the 4-4 speed and the numbers he puts up. Um, I think he's pretty impressive at times and, and he can definitely catch the ball. One of the, the guys that grows on you, and at least me, grows on me, grew on me over the process, Travion uh, Williams from Texas A&M. There is nothing special about him in terms of like elite numbers. He's 5'8", uh, I want to say like 205 pounds. He ran a 4.5 at the combine. His numbers were very average across the board. You watch his tape at first, and you're like, yeah, he's good. He's a good player. But then you just you watch all the little things. Catching the ball, making sure that he's he's aware in pass protection. He knows where to be. Running some routes. Uh, he just he does all the little things, and he to me reminds me a little bit of a guy that Bill Belichick would love. You know, that just understands the game, and I think he's going to wind up being a much better player than where he winds up getting drafted, which is probably going to be somewhere later on day two. Yeah, one guy nobody's really talking about because he ran that four six six is Devin Singletary, good back at Florida Atlantic, carried the ball mm-hmm. a ton. David Montgomery, the big back, what you said, Todd, he, he went like a gazillion carries without a fumble, finally fumbled. So really a dependable runner. He had to earn a lot of real estate with the, the balance he showed. Rock Armstead, Ryquell Armstead at Temple. Chiseled mm-hmm. kid, had a heck of a year, wrote him up on ESPN.com after a game this year, loved his running style, ran great for his size, don't sleep on him, and the two injured kids, Bryce Love, Stanford coming off an injury, and Rodney Anderson from, uh, from Oklahoma coming off an injury. Uh, both those kids, had they not been hurt, you probably would, we were talking about Bryce Love at one point in time, being a really high pick, and now Bryce Love is a guy nobody's yeah. talking about because he's coming off an injury. Don't forget about him for year two, not necessarily year one as a rookie, but in year two, and Rodney Anderson, when he's healthy, Rodney Anderson was yeah. a heck of a back at Oklahoma. But the durability concern will push him down. That's a second-round grade on him coming into the year, mm-hmm. Rodney. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you were entertained. You got 30 minutes of Mel and Todd playing <laughs> psychological mock draft warfare. That was enjoyable for me, and I know Josh. Uh, but we also got the AFC North, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati, and then some of your mail. We will be. You can tell it's April. Kuiper's finally starting to get a little feisty. He's it's getting good. feisty. Good for all of us. He's, yeah, we I turned mean, the corner into April. Yeah. We did. So he's he's been cornered. Uh, but that was that for this week for first draft. We will be doing it again next week. Hopefully, even surlier. So we'll see you everybody next week. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.